most of them. The problem is by the time I get up and get to the trails, the already limited parking is gone. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you been on the trail that is behind Bald Mountain? Uh, Bald Hill, you, yes. Bald Hill, where you walk past like someone's yes. homestead. Yes, I have been on that multiple the, and times. It goes up and way yeah, up yeah, yeah. I've done that. Maybe I'll do that one tomorrow. I've done that one a bunch. I've done that one I've, at like, uh, like, uh, what's the opposite of dawn? Right at uh, it's sunset. Sunset when it's just beautiful. Kinda, yeah, it is. But man, it's scary because I'm the only one on the trail, mm -hmm. and there's there's cougars out there. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of freaky when you're that deep into it, even though you're so close to Corvallis, mm -hmm. you're, you're really off the grid. It's a long trail too, because that trail will lead back into, I think the fit and green natural reserve, I believe it's called, or some jumble of mm -hmm. those words. It leads all the way back there, which is a separate trail. If you keep driving up, uh, what's the road called? That's a, what's road is that on that back part on you remember, but if you keep driving yeah. up that road, there's like a tiny little trailhead with like three parking spots. But mm. that trail, if you go there, will lead all the way back into that natural area. And if you go, once you get to that area and you cross the river and you go essentially south, yeah. then it will essentially loop you around back to that spot. It's, wow. a, it's a really long and... Uh, it's easy to get lost. It is easy to get lost. So uh, it, despite, like you said... <laughs> yeah, despite, like you said, like, it's so close to everything, but there's a lot of trails. There's a lot of trails. So, and, you know, PV connects to things mm -hmm. if you get way, way... I have a trail map woods. on my phone, so as long oh, as yeah, my phone's right. charged, that's then smart. it's... Um, that's smart. And it's good. Let's I'll, start, let, let's start yeah. the show today. We got Mike Parker coming up at 12.05. Just touch in with Doc, see what he's doing down in... Uh, uh, where are they? Los Angeles. And what the vibe is there. Of course, softball yesterday. We'll get into that here in just a bit. In fact, let's start with that. Softball, playing in the inaugural tournament. We talked a little bit yesterday about how um, it really makes more sense to reverse and have softball be double elimination and have baseball be single elimination. But it is what it is for whatever reason. And, uh, of course, we're just a couple of ways away from the baseball tournament. Right now, Oregon State tied for second place, getting ready to face UCLA tonight down at Jackie Robinson Stadium. But yesterday, last night down in Arizona, it was Washington jumping out to an early lead. The game started when we were on the air, or a little bit after. I think it got pushed back a little bit. And uh, Oregon State trailed after giving up a home run to the Huskies. I don't know what the Huskies ranked. I know they've got to be in the top ten. Uh, they were, I they're think they were like five. A, a perennial top ten team. I can look. And that ended up being the score, one nothing. Uh, the Beavers did get a runner at third. They're ranked fifth. And, uh, yeah, they're always a, a one of the top 10 teams. Mm -hmm. So a really spunky effort by an Oregon mm -hmm. State team that virtually lost everybody that mattered to getting that team to the Women's College World Series last right. year. First team, second team, all, all Pac-12 players, pitchers, hitters, catchers, the whole nine yards were lost this year, mm -hmm. and hence, you know, a 15-29 and 29 record. And just to think of, like, the potential of the team, they played Washington <clears throat> four times and outscored them. Overall in the that's, season, yeah, that's they very, did. Very they had good. two run, uh, outscored them by six runs. I think you know, in four all, games. All things considered, with injuries and the way that they actually played in some of their losses, like you're mentioning this this run total, uh, Laura Berg did one of her best coaching jobs because mm -hmm. they really lost. They lost a third of their team. Yep, and all all of them half were, their lineup were key contributors, all conference players. Laura did a tremendous job this year, keeping them scrapping to the end beating Arizona State in a series last weekend to avoid that play-in game and be in that position. Uh, really great job by Laura Berg. So softball is done 
and uh, they move on. Well, they move on to the uh, the tournament on Sunday. Oregon State season is done. And then, you know, you find out, okay, well, what happens now with the rest of the way? I'll, I'll probably not pay attention until uh, I do root for the Pac-12 mm-hmm. big time when it comes to tournament time because for so many years, for so many decades, the Pac-12 dominated softball on the national stage. Other other schools around the country have infiltrated. Schools like Oklahoma, Alabama. Um, Florida. Florida. Florida's been tough for a long time. Uh, over 20 years, I remember going down to Florida with Oregon State. And the Beavers in those those regionals that I would always cover uh, for the Beavers and travel with them were always the lowest seated team from the Pac-12 conference. But still at that time, and almost to this day, the Pac-12 conference is so top-heavy. It's mm-hmm. so, so heavy with, it's like the SEC. So the last Pac-12 team in, if you will, or the lowest seated one, like an Oregon State 20 years ago, was still better than most of the field. Given they had a winning record, I think this year's Oregon State team is a little bit of a oh yeah this of, year's a, team, of an anomaly because they're fourteen games under yeah exactly so that's it's why a little last bit year we saw them get all the way to the World Series which they right. had to go through Stanford which is never easy and last mm-hmm. year they were great Stanford was yeah and Stanford's now a top eight this year yeah and projected. they had to go through them down in the Super Regionals to get to the Women's College World Series and they're just on the edge of making repeat trips I think I think Laura's got it going to where they'll make repeat trips. This year, notwithstanding, because of the uh, the freak injuries. So, crazy stuff. Anyway, congratulations to the team for getting as far as they did and doing what they did. And and it'd be interesting to talk to Laura, um, certainly next fall, about how she liked the way that the tournament's being run and just, you know, what do you think about it? She did tell us last week she liked the idea of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for teams that need it, but... Uh, she sounded like she liked it, whether you, whether a team needed it or not. Oregon needed it for getting a uh, a possible hosting bid, and they right. lost, so they could probably be out of that. Right. We don't care, but mm-hmm. that's just kind of a what's going on with with that tournament. It directly benefits teams like Oregon State. Yeah, the, the ones that'll hang around on the bubble. Yeah, and they may need, they may be a team that will make the tournament. Uh, let's say that they get to a point where they'll make the tournament every year, which they did in the two thousands. 2099, actually, up till about 2010. Um, but they could use the tournament to better their standing. Right. Stuff like that. Get you get you more quad one wins. And it's That's single what you're elimination. Asking for. Yeah. Uh, and Oregon State is viable, I think, to host it and will host it. I right. think they're on schedule. They will host. Yeah. They, that is going to rotate around all the Pac 12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the Pac 12 places. Speaking of softball, did you see the video that's been floating around? about, I don't know, youth league or high school. I don't mm-hmm. know what level it is, but this gal goes, turns to bunt, pulls back the catcher then, and there's no runner on third, just hucks it right into her face from about four feet away. So here's what I told you. So you can find this video pretty easily on Twitter if you want to go yeah, look. that's where I found it. Um, it. It is almost, as John described, essentially that. So I have seen it. My thoughts on that, I, I told you I'm about 90-10 where it was 90% malicious, which is kind of odd because they look like they're maybe, what, 10? Yeah. Which, when I was playing, when well, I was 10, there was just like, there's there's no even thought of that. Like, I don't you know, don't, maybe they look a little older than that. But like, you at that age, you just don't like care that much to, like, you're not, you are not malicious. You, kids that age are, are pretty, no, pretty mellow no, on, the, no. on the diamond, which is why it's like, 
So I'm about 90-10, yes, no, because you watch the video, it looks like she just straight up wound up and thrown her face. Now there's a couple of options. She could have thought it was strike three Mm -hmm. and tried to throw down to third. Right. Which, the angle it was, like, you could make that argument. You could. What we don't see in the 10-second clip, we hear, like, parents yelling, but the umpire doesn't do anything. No, he doesn't. And, like, the umpires obviously have a have a feel for the game. Right. And if something was actually malicious was about to happen, he probably would have stepped They probably would have stepped he was and, stepped and, in and did something. Yeah, in dramatic more dramatic. Probably would have thrown thrown the kid out like, of the game immediately. Out of here, but the umpire just kind of stood and did nothing. Right. So, uh and we didn't hear anything from the coaches. So we heard parents, but we didn't see right. a coach jump out onto the field like, "Uh." Right. What was that? Right. And there wasn't anybody from benches saying, "Whoa," you know, like a a potential brawl or yeah, anything like that. Yeah. They would the people again, who had a, had a feel for the game, at least in that uh, in that clip, we didn't see anything. As you said, we probably need to see more than 10 seconds. We do. We need to see a lot more for better context. But it is just strange. The catcher just stands up, throws it right at her in the face, down the third baseline, because she was a right-handed hit, a batter, steps out of the box after she squared to bunt. And I don't know if it was a called strike or what, but uh, the catcher just stands up, chucks it right at her face, there's nobody on third, and all you hear is a few cries from the parents like, well, what is that? And the, I did look at the umpire and thought, the umpire's not really reacting to this. Mm-hmm. So, But see, the problem is, is I've seen more and more videos online, which mm-hmm. I, I don't want to see anymore. They just keep popping up of people getting like cold cocked when they're not paying attention mm-hmm. and just getting pummeled for no reason. And, and like there's one where this subway train is full. And this guy, he's just ranting. He's got his kids with him, but he's ranting. He's all mad, and, and it's a full subway train. And this, this girl said to him, like, take a chill pill. And then while he was ranting to everyone else, he turns around to his focus to her, and he's about a foot taller than her. She's a tiny little girl, and he's a big guy. And he's, he says, you, you say that to my face, say that to my face. And she says it again, and he full-on Full fist punch her right in the face, Oof. and there's a seven. There's a sort of large, larger looking man with a beard. He looks like a guy that might step in, standing right next to the girl. I don't think they were together. He did nothing. Yeah, and nobody on the train did anything. And that more and more of those is poisoning my mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, to think that you see a softball play like this and you wonder if people are just standing there stunned that people are doing what they're doing. Yeah. So a couple things on that. First off, digital age. Every you can get a video of everything now. Yeah. So everything that we would have missed before and not seen on video, may, may you have can never just, seen. Right. You can just boom. You yeah. got it. Got yeah. it right here on your phone. Everybody's got something. But people are like humans are naturally more individualistic. Some some of them, yeah. especially in American culture, a little little bit more individualistic. So you would think riding on the subway, you just don't want to like. You're like, man, I'm just trying Don't to trying to have to my day. <laughs> I'm just trying to have my day. I'm just trying to go on. Which, in some a situation like that, like you maybe you want to jump in and, and say something. Uh, yeah. yeah you would think you would think you would, but then again, some people are just some people just aren't confrontational at all. Yeah. Some people are just like just stunned or or, stunned, they're, yeah, or stun- they're thinking I don't want to get killed. You don't know what the guy would do. Right. Exactly. You don't, you don't want to like, I it's like, I have one more stop until I, until I have to get off. I don't want like, I'm just- the, and then, and then to just back, get it back to sports a little bit. I, I, I saw a compilation video of this one girl 
in soccer matches, collegiate soccer. And I oh, I know remember. what you're talking. I know and exactly. It was what you're a compilation about. video of all the horrible things she did on defense. She would grab a, 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 an opponent's ponytail and yeah. yank it as yeah. hard as she could, um, while guarding an, an, another girl in other yeah. scenes. You know, rib punch him from behind and right. just and get away with it. Right, unbelievable. I don't know what well, happened was, to that girl. It was a it was a college. She might have eventually had consequences come, but yeah, like that's just to. again that's just that's something you like. The person walks over to the ref is like, "Are you watching this?" Right, right. Like especially like the opposing coach would. All, would all we're see getting that. is the highlights. But, yeah, but uh, this is what happens when you spend too much time online. I know, like, like we do. But I know, and I'm I'm doing what I can to, like. Dial make, down. make the al- algorithm not show those. Right. And uh, it's right. working. I'm seeing less and less of them. It's good. I was just seeing just every other time I see another someone just punching someone out of the blue for no reason. Or Too whatever. much negativity. It's horrible. Yeah. It's it deadens the soul. It's yeah. awful. Anyway, we've got Don Shockley coming up at 1130. We're going to talk golf. On a more positive note. On a more positive note. I mean, what a great week it was to start out Monday through Wednesday at Westfield in Westfield, Indiana. And uh, Coach Shockley will join us. That's a great get. You managed to get her for us after we talked with uh, John Rehorn yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we'll just, we'll find out what was it like? What were the, how much were you saying? Was it hands off? Like, uh, don't, don't talk to the girls. You just, you just go do what you've been doing. They'll be playing down at Greyhawk down in Scottsdale a week from today. I don't know if anyone's planning on taking a trip down to the desert a week from today. I know Beaver baseball will be back here this weekend, but if people really want some like hundred degree heat, you can go out, uh, mm-hmm. go out to Greyhawk. I believe it is free. If you want to get into those championships at Greyhawk. And the men are playing there too, right? Yeah, the week after. Yeah. The week after. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it is exactly, I believe, a week from today that they will that they will be kicking off the national did championships. Did you ever golf at Greyhawk? I did not. I don't I don't golf very much. And I don't think I'm not sure Greyhawk would be a place is that ASU's is college. Home, home it course? is, yeah. But I'm not sure it's a place that college kids could afford to play at. I don't know. Uh, in like the public sector, like a couple hundred bucks a, a round. It, it looks like a really nice course. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't pay two hundred dollars to golf. Yeah. Like there would be some other public courses. I know some of my friends would go to, and maybe they'd drop like eighty bucks to go play. Sure. But some of these, it's like it's like golfing a TPC. Like you're not not doing that. That's really expensive. Sure. Really, really expensive. But hey, if I liked golf, I would do it. Maybe maybe I'll like. I have a lot of life left, so maybe I'll well, pick up my, golf. Well, my my son, who's not that much older than you, he's got money and he loves golf. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great way that, uh, to spend it. <laughs> I think he'll, I'll ask him if he, if he ever goes to Greyhawk because it's got to be just down the road. He lives in Gilbert, mm-hmm. so not too far away. Yeah. So I, I know ASU has their, uh, they have uh, their own little golf facility there. So that's where they, that's where they play. Bit of a, I guess, home field advantage, but I don't even know if they're in the field. Not the one. I, I don't think the they are. I think Coach Rehorn said they're not, they're not a host this no. year. No. I mean, it's there, but it's, it's, they're not there or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. We could look it up. But anyway, Don Shockley will join us. Here coming up at uh, the bottom of the hour, Mike Parker at uh, 12.05. And your phone calls on the topics that we choose or you want to choose, your phone calls and also your texts, the phone calls for the Downward Dog phone line, 541-497-5356. And the, uh, what is it, uh, the uh, University Honda text line. I had to think about that because I have the morning text line. University Honda text line, same number, 541-497-5356. We also want to get into where are they now? And like you said yesterday, I know that uh, uh, Larry Hauer puts that together. Yeah. And he just, we just thought we wanted to do it prior to the next one coming out. Yeah. For Larry, to, I think he does it once a month or in between. 
And so you did some work on that and found out how I hard did. that is. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a pretty decent amount of work. We didn't have we didn't have a show on Wednesday, so I needed something to keep myself busy. And yeah. I will say it definitely did. Uh, but I I managed to uh, comb through all the beavers in the pros, and we can get into that when uh, there were after only, we talked to John Shockley. There were only two in action yesterday. There was a it was kind of a short schedule of Major League mm-hmm. Baseball games yesterday. Drew Rasmussen is picked up. I mean, he's he's playing great. He's four and two on the year. Last night, seven innings, just two hits, seven strikeouts. He did some great things for my fantasy team yesterday. So his, thank uh, you, Drew. His earned run average is 2.62. He's just looking great. Yeah, he had a bit of a rough patch, I think, the three previous starts, but he really turned it back yeah. on against the Yankees. He was he was really, really good. And Michael Conforto with the Giants, he went over two last night and scored twice. Um, he's hit or miss, and so is he, uh, Madrigal. Larnick is more consistently in the lineup, but Madrigal and Conforto will tend to uh, pinch hit and only get a couple of at-bats. We'll get into Conforto. He has been shockingly bad. Like He's been mm-hmm. like atrociously bad. Yeah, we, which we don't want to see, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy who's like at least like a, a 280 average, 450 slugging, get on base a decent amount. But yeah. he is nowhere close to that right now. I, I don't know if it's a transition to a new ballpark or if he's, I don't, I don't he says he's healthy, um, but he did miss all of last season with injury. So when, you, ne- you never when, know. When is the next start for Matt Boyd? He pitches today. He does Mariners. start today. Okay. Yep. okay. On 990. Yep. There you go. I didn't know that. Yep. Uh, that'll be a 230 start time and uh, uh, 340 first pitch. So Matty Boyd against the Mariners. That's great. Yep. That, it'll be good. That's mm-hmm. uh, That gives me reason to listen to. Now. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tune that in. I, no, I probably wouldn't have. I go out in the yard and listen to music, but I'm going to listen to the Mariners and see how Matty Boyd does. I, I, I just, I, I we always, you know, want to root for these guys and, and have them do well. And for the most part, they are. They really are. Yeah, Matt's been doing. He's been doing okay in the in the Tigers rotation. Adley's average came way down from 375 inside the two in the you know inside 300, but he's still doing everything. Mm-hmm. He's he. Do you think he'll be the all-star catcher or, or a backup? Uh, yeah, I would say at this point, probably. It, it, it would be between him and probably Jonah Heim of Texas, who is probably, it, it would be pretty hard. It, it would probably be a coin flip between these two. Adley might have a little more name recognition. Jonah Heim of Texas is actually having a really, really good season. So Adley like, needs to- Offensively and- He's got Adley beat defensively too. I know we know we hold Adley to a high level defensively, and we'll mm-hmm. get into it after we talk with Don Shockley. But Adley's defensively not having a great year so far. The, a lot of the the metrics used to rate uh, defense, uh, rate defense, and and catching metrics they don't really favor him this year. Hmm. Not yet. That's not good. No. So it it doesn't help. And and Jonah Heim, who's uh, Again, the Rangers catchers is off to a really good start offensively. I think he's top 10 in OPS uh, in the entire league. He's also probably the best defensive catcher in baseball among them. So he's pretty good. Are you seeing any more movement uh, uh, in a positive trend from Julio Rodriguez? Uh, no, not really. What's going not on? Not yet. Uh, he's getting a little unlucky, which doesn't help. Um, he's still hitting the ball pretty hard. He's chasing a little bit more. So yeah. he's not hitting fastballs is the biggest thing. He he was his best pitch against last year was his, was hitting against fastballs. This year it is his by far his worst, and I think that that makes all the difference right there. So strange how that can happen. It is, yeah. But it's only a month, so he could 
again, turn it on for the next month and a half and be the best player in baseball. And I don't think anyone would be surprised. Yeah. All right, let's take our first break. We'll come back. Don Shockley would join us. Oregon State women's uh, golf. Tremendous outing just this uh, earlier this week. They are headed to Greyhawk next week in Scottsdale for the NCAA championships. That's coming up next right here on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, continuing with the Joe Beaver Show on a beautiful Friday morning here in the Mid-Willamette Valley, we welcome Don Shockley to the program, the head coach of the Oregon State Women's Golf Program, coming off that, that regional in Westfield, Indiana, where Oregon State just golfed their hearts out and ended up finishing second out of a whole bunch of teams and is now headed to the NCAA Championships. Coach, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on with us today. You know, I mentioned a beautiful day here. What was it like there weather-wise for you on Monday through Wednesday? Oh, it was just about like this. A little cooler, but um, it kind of felt like we were at home. So no complaints about the weather this time. Midwest Indiana grass, is it vastly different? And does that matter when you go across the country for golf tournaments? Yeah, I think grass has a huge part of it, um, and it's very similar to here. And I knew, you know, when we got our selection, I was actually quite excited about Indiana because I knew it would be similar. You know, you go down south and you're dealing with Bermuda and different types of grasses. So not a whole lot different than home, which is nice. Do you ever wonder, I mean, when you're looking at that and waiting to see where you would go, does it matter what teams are in your field? Clearly you want to win the whole thing and you wonder who might be the best, but after that, does it does it matter who's in the field? You know, at, at this point, all the teams are pretty good. Um, I think, you know, the Indiana tournament, with Indiana hosting and not being in it, that's always a good thing because there's one less team with kind of that home field advantage. Um, but honestly, when you, again, you get into postseason and everyone's hungry for it and everyone's pretty good. So, um, you know, it was our time. So I'm happy. I'm not sure where to begin with this because I was watching on golfstat.com the entire tournament, but mostly on Wednesday. In fact, I had a chance to go home early on Wednesday and I just stuck around because I was hitting refresh. And every time I did, there was one point where Vanderbilt had overtaken you guys. And then that only lasted for one refresh. And then you had taken over um, uh, Mississippi state for one or two refreshes. And I was getting really excited. And then, and then it kind of just, was a, a one or a two stroke deal the rest of the way. And I was, I was telling my partner, TJ, who's with me here today. Uh, I came running down the hall. There are six holes left and uh, three of the beavers with two holes remaining, let's say ha- have already gotten four birdies and, you know, but everybody parred out, but it was just, I was doing all the calculations. What were you doing towards the end when it was such a neck and neck race as a coach? I mean, do you just find one location and, and look at the, the stats and see what they're, what's happening around at the different holes? You know, I think our biggest key is to try to keep them light and uh, try to keep it fun for them and, and obviously just kind of keep them level. So uh, coming down the stretch, we were with the last three. Um, Kelly was hopping back and forth between Maddie and Chase, and uh, I was with Kyra kind of getting her in. So um, we let Denise go and Minnie go and then just kind of tried to get our last three in the house and, you know, I was so nervous trying to get through to nationals, and then the nerves changed. Holy cow, could we win it? So, um, but you know, I think I don't look at live scoring a lot. I try to, you know, one thing I emphasize to them is to stay in the moment. And so, for me, I 
I do my best not to look at the scoring. Um, Kelly does that and keeps me up to date as far as where I should be and where I should go. So, you know, it changes every minute in every hole. Something new could happen. So, thankfully for, for Kelly and I, the team, they were they did this on their own. Uh, you know, I think we were there, obviously, with them. But they were strong. Uh, they were steady. And, uh, yeah, I, could, I, I still think, for me, I'm a little bit lost words as well but um, here we are Oregon State coach John Shockley joining us here on the Joe Beaver show Don this is TJ here with John what did you think was the most important aspect of your guys's game where the, the reason you guys were able to shoot so well was it out of the box was it the short game what what did you think it was we made birdies you know so I gotta say it's putting um you know obviously T to green they were good they're giving themselves opportunities and and then converting those opportunities so I think that's that's always key in golf you know, this course obviously was scorable, um, and so it does come down to can you convert birdies or not. So, you know, all, all season we talked about we, you know, we made a lot of pars, um, but we've got to learn how to score, and we worked on it and we practiced, and here we are. So um, they putted well. We worked a lot on that, and, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say definitely the putting was key. What about the Eagles? I mean, there, there were a good number of Eagles across your group for you guys to actually make that jump there in the top. Like it, that's, isn't that, I would say, the biggest key of that is out of the box, though, right? You know, I think it's a lot of those came from the par fives. Danique had one hole out. But, you know, from par fives, they were, you know, it was fun because there are actually some reachable par fives for us, which we don't run into very often. And so, um, again, obviously, giving yourself an opportunity, hitting the green, and then making the putt. So um, anytime you make birdies and eagles, you it's it's everything, right? Like you've got to get it in the fairway, and you've got to give yourself a close enough opportunity to make it. So um, it was nice to be able to have some par fives that were reachable this time. By reachable par five, is that more distance or design? Distance. So for us, you know, typically in a par five, very rarely do we get to hit it in two, and this time... I'd say there was three that we could go for, which was a lot of fun. So you're getting there in two. Um, you're either close to the green or on the green. Uh, last day, Maddie chipped in on four for Eagle, and Minnie made a long putt for Eagle. So, um, yeah, having those. And then Denise made a long putt. Yeah, we had three last day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it takes a couple good shots and a putt to go in. Over the course of the three days, you mentioned those those shots right there. Were there others that were like, you know, wow, really long, you know, really long putts or, or like you say, holding out from maybe the trap on the edge of the green? No. You know, I think, again, we hit a lot of greens and we made a lot of putts. Um, it wasn't necessarily long putts. They struck the ball well and they gave themselves chances. So I was looking over the stats this morning. Uh, you know, I think our second day we were 10 under in five holes and, we made 20 something birdies and had only six bogeys. So, um, that right there is, is what makes the game fun. And to see them go in is pretty cool. What, go ahead. What's your early scouting report of, of Greyhawk? I don't believe, do you guys get to play at Greyhawk when you go down and play ASU? We do not. Nope. So what's this will be my first, this will be all of our first time. So, mm. um, you know, it's been nice. John Rehorn, our men's coach, uh, was talking to us yesterday about some things and, um, I think the biggest key for us is to enjoy this moment and stay, you know, stay in the moment, um, keep having fun and enjoying it. And obviously we'll get to work on some things and, um, and get them ready for, for the national championship. 
is your group this year is the are they one of uh celebration and that they were loud and and having fun you know all the way home or are they a bit more business-like i mean what how, how was uh, the reaction from the team after they did so well? <laughs> we were pretty it's emotional. You know, I think, again, um, having Amanda Minnie, this is her sixth year. This is the first time she's been able to compete in nationals, or excuse me, in regionals. Um, she's been through a couple injuries and COVID, and so there's a lot of emotions. Um, obviously, extremely excited, a lot of hugging, a lot of excitement. Um, but, yeah, man, it all happened so fast, so... Uh, obviously, we were all thrilled. Um, got on the plane and uh, just tried to enjoy again, enjoy the moment and soak it all in. And um, you know, I, I, I emphasize that we have to enjoy this, and then we'll get back and, and get to work. Yeah. What is the the plan, and how much have you guys done since then, and what you'll do before you head down, and when you get there? I mean, when you go to a, a tournament like this, of course, for national championships, it's only the second time for Oregon State, but. They give everybody a practice round so you know the course? Oh, yeah. Yep. So yesterday they were off. I uh, got to get them refreshed and, rela- you know, get them back in uh, competing order, but they needed some time off, so they're off yesterday. We'll get back to practice today, um, the next couple of days, and then we get down there, we'll walk the course on Wednesday, and then we'll have a practice round Thursday and get going on Friday. Very cool. Well, great job, and uh, Beaver Nation was very excited, and and uh, it makes for, for some fun uh, golfstat.com watchings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our version of uh, watching it, I suppose. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Coach Shockley, thanks for taking time out for us today, and, and best of luck next week. Awesome. Thank you. As always, go Beavs. Go Beavs. There you go. Don Shockley, Oregon State women's uh, golf coach, joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Cool opportunity. I just, I love it. I just think. What a what a, a great opportunity for the kids, and you know it's funny because collegiately you get to you get to experience the best of the best, like mm-hmm. going to Greyhawk. Right. You, you're not going to get to do that once you graduate, <laughs> unless you're in Q school or you're you're trying to get on the tour, or you've got or a lot of rich. money, yeah. <laughs> or, or you got rich. a lot of money. I wonder how much a round is. I'll, I'll let me look. You know the and 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 the the facilities for everything and the you know the all of the uh the infrastructure that oregon state has built up and is so nice and we see the <clears throat> the new side of research stadium being built and i i can see from your reaction it's quite a i undershot it's quite a bit 250 uh actually under uh, let's see around. if we go at 12 30 today it's 228 228 to golf greyhawk yeah it is a friday so i don't like let's see if i choose um, what if I go in the future? What if, we, let's, what if we do like a Tuesday morning? Right. <laughs> let's see. Tuesday morning. Oh, 175. Oh, 180. Oh, well. Well, big, big discount. <laughs> I, get, you I, can get a round in before your 12 o'clock meeting. I have friends where that would be nothing. No. Just pennies to them. No. And it, like, if I was really like, uh, if I really wanted to just go have a good time with my friends, we all wanted to go golf a, a round of golf on a good golf course. I mean, okay. Like, yeah. okay. Like I could do that, but no, I probably like, if I'm just going to go casually spend money on golf, it's probably not. Yeah. It's a little bit expensive. That's probably on the cheaper side for the, for the Phoenix area. I, I have a, guess. I have you know, a lot of people. Uh, I've got a, a group of friends that we go back to grade school and we get together once a year, but we all live scattered across the country. And one of my buddies from that group, 
is a pilot for Federal Express. And he just flies places. He didn't have to do anything else. Yeah, being a freight, uh, like a, a freight plane pilot, yeah. it's and, great. And with the rules of how much time you're supposed to be off, he will have, he had, uh, he had trips to Hawaii where he just flies the plane to Hawaii, goes, is set up at the nicest hotel yep. on the company's dime, has the company's food money. And then he brings his golf clubs. Right. And he gets four, he probably gets 48 hours before he has exactly. to fly, fly the plane back. So he goes and golfs at some of the nicest places around the country that are very famous mm-hmm. because he's by himself and money, you know, time to burn and plenty of money to just take his clubs and just stick them, <laughs> stick them in, stick the, him in the cargo hold, in the cargo <laughs> hold with everything else. And he does. He, he's, he plays all over the country at some of these, these great places. It's a pretty great gig. I'm kind of jealous. Oh man. It's, as, it's as, a great gig. As someone who's a bit of a traveler, um, yeah. that I'm honestly a little bit jealous. So here, here's that, a, that some of the pull of, of being a pilot, the thing, the reason people like being pilots and flight attendants yeah. is because you get paid to travel, travel essentially, yeah. which is nice. You get to see a bunch of places you might not actually get to see a small little finish to that story that's you don't hear every day i know it doesn't have anything to do with this but his brother flies for ups and he flies for federal express so they just have a competition the whole time they i mean they they have their own jobs and live in different states and and do their thing however one time he was taxing on the on the tarmac and he could hear his brother talking to the tower (laughs) <laughs> and he, he recognized his voice. He said, what, what are you doing? They didn't even know they were both at the same airport. That's funny. At the same time, flying for the two different, you know, the competing carriers. Sitting on the same taxiway. On the same taxiway. That's so funny. I mean, that's a small world story. It All is. Right. <laughs> Our thanks to Don Chockley. Golf next week. Golfstat.com is great. In fact, with the high school tournaments coming up, they put those in there. All the colleges, D1, D2, D3. It's a, it's a great golf website to follow along the leaderboard. They have individual numbers, you know, the whole nine yards. So pretty cool stuff. Okay, um, let's take a final break this hour. Mike Parker will join us coming up in, at 12.05 and just getting caught up with Doc and, and seeing what he's doing. And uh, your phone calls and your texts, 541-497-5356. Back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Okay, last 12 minutes of this hour, and we were getting ready to talk about the Beaver Baseball Series, which we may do anyway, but Dave from Tumwater called in, and we always love it when Dave calls. Dave, uh, what's on your mind here today? Well, a couple of things, uh, John. Good morning, TJ. I I wanted to call primarily about uh, Beaver Baseball, but if there's time, I I want to go back to an old staple conference realignment. So let's just throw the dice out there and see what turns up, John. Absolutely. So uh, normally I like to come better prepared, but I've been distracted by some other things, uh, writing projects, home repairs, and the like. But TJ, our master of all things digital wizardry, is there, so I'm sure he can help us out. But here's the question, TJ (laughs) and John. If the Pac-12 baseball season ended today, what pool? What, what would the pool alignment be? And uh, because I we go to pool play rather than double elimination, right. which having been in that heat last year, four games a day, way too much. Three is still going to be a lot, and we can talk about that maybe. But if the season ended today, where would the bees uh, land? 
And who would be who in their pool? Who, who would be in uh-huh. their pool? And then let's let's play it out from there if you're willing to play along. With okay, it. I got you. Okay, so the Beavers would be in Pool C right now, alongside. Uh, they would be with Oregon, and then they would be with who is seven? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and UCLA. So it would be the two Oregon schools and UCLA. Pod one would be Stanford. It would be USC, and it would be California in Pool uh, A. And then Pool B, which is two, five, and eight, would have ASU. It would have Washington, and it would have Arizona in it. So that would be it. That that's the pool we want to be in. I don't like uh, again. We know the season's not in. There's two more weeks, only one for us, of course. But we don't want to be in the pool we're in. We don't want to be in with Stanford. That seems unlikely. Uh, but thank you for that. Let's go from there. We want to be in Pool B. After everything else being equal, mm-hmm. I trust you would agree with me, TJ. Yeah, no, they probably. So I think the the difference in standings between ASU and Oregon State right now is percentage points. The only issue is is that ASU has two Pac-12 series left, which could be a plus and could be a minus for them. So that's just like a question of how it plays out uh, through these next two weeks. But that is definitely a possibility, Dave. So they could take that spot and be there alongside Washington and alongside Arizona. Yeah, that would that would be a real good draw. And so let's go to the next step then. So uh, let's. Uh, so I've never quite understood, and and, and maybe we'll. It's the kind of thing you maybe have to experience until you really sublimate it. But I've never quite done. I mean, you win your pool. I understand. Right. You win your two games. You you go to the next round. I've never when when the conference says the team with the next best record is the fourth team in the semifinals. I mean, there's going to be three teams that one and one. I mean, it, uh, it's what it's seeding by the fourth best team. It's the seeding. Figured that out yet? The seeding is the tiebreaker, Dave. So that that's what the incentive of is the regular season. So for example, like you you could have easily have three teams, all three teams in a pool go one and one, but then there's a benefit to being the higher seed. So for example, Stanford, ASU, and Oregon State, as it currently would stand, if they went one and one, you automatically advance no matter what because you have the top seed in your own pool. And then after that, if you have other one and one teams, then again, it is usually the next highest seed. So if you're a top four seed, you need to win one game pretty much in pool play to advance to the semifinals anywhere in the top three. John, this is only here. Can you get this kind of analysis? I'm just saying this this is great. Yeah. TJ and I talked about a little bit uh, either yesterday or it was last week. We, last week we did touch on a little mm-hmm. bit, but it changes, you know, the jockeying for position. And I like that too, that that's the incentive for, because there's got to be incentive if you're going to have a tournament. So there is, and that's to be the highest seed. So you can move on if in fact that everybody's a one and one situation. And and we could see that. We, we absolutely could see that. So l- let me go that kind of stay on the same theme, but in a slightly different direction. So do you have a sense yet? TJ, as to what day one of the tournament does, I mean, obviously, since there's only three teams in a pool, there has to be some, I mean, so uh, there's a matchup every day from each pool? Is yes. that how it's going to work? Yeah, so you'd be guaranteed one day off in the, you'd play two games, have one day off in the first three days of the tournament from Tuesday to Thursday. So they would, you're right, they would play one game a day, which is 
be, uh, better than trying to stack four games in one day and having them go over. It's a little easier to space out those three. Okay, so each pool plays one game a day, and obviously there being three teams per pool, one team is going to have an off day somewhere in the sequence. Yes. So you could play the first two days and off the third. Yep. Then you wait to see how everything, or you could not play the first day, but play the second and third day. Is that yes. The way it was? Yes. Yes. Yep. Or, and like you say, you could play the first two days, go 2-0 and or 1-1, and and know you might go 1-1 and and know that for sure you're in the semifinals. So a day off. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, do we have time to go to conference realignment, John, or do you need to get on to other business? No, we got about six minutes, and you can have it if you want it. Okay. Well, so I I I went on some some of those boards. <laughs> uh, by the way, I texted Mike just to digress. Yeah. Like he's going to be on coming out of the gate next hour. The other night, I was watching CBC hockey. It was the inter- first or second intermission. And a guy, had, they got into the Glen Gary, uh, uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross thing. Yeah. Uh, the steak knives. I don't know how many times Mike has gone down that road. And it was the first time I had ever heard any other sports production go down Glen Gary, Glen Ross. I just had to text Mike, although he says Jim Rome does it from time to time. But that's a digression. <laughs> but uh, so. I, I was I was looking at some boards, so there's some chatter that UW and and University of Oregon are playing footsie with the Big Ten again. Although I also read that one reason why they have a new commissioner in the Big Ten is that the conference presidents and challenge and chancellors got tired of the old commissioner constantly pushing expansion, and they've kind of gotten tired of it at the senior executive level. What do you think of that hypothesis? Haven't heard any of that because I don't get on those same boards, but my initial reaction to, you know, to that is here we go again with rumors, innuendo, and chatter about something that just we've been teased the mm-hmm. entire year with but that over and over again. That That's pretty much what it is, though, is what I think is right now all it is is rumors. I don't think there's any anything substantiated. That rumor will be a thing until there's a new media deal in place. And I actually, I, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if anything happens that Wilner or Kenzano don't get first. Interesting. So, well, that's, that's, well, you guys are uh, tight, uh, piped into that very strongly. Anyway, well, that's it guys. A nice chat. Really sorry. I missed yesterday's show. Uh, but uh, you guys sound like you're in good form. I'll look forward to the second hour. All right, thanks, Dave. Always good to hear from you. Dave from Tumwater here joining us with some uh, some really good conversation about breaking down pool play and how it will work when the teams go mm-hmm. to the NCAA or the, uh, the Pac-12 tournament. That's a couple weeks away. We've mm-hmm. still got uh, Western Carolina next weekend, and I, I just I marvel at how you're stuck with a team. You have no choice in but the to play 200s. this series. Is there any way to avoid that when you're putting your schedule together? The plane breaks down. <laughs> well, Duck can't get off no, the tarmac I mean, just in Carolina. Looking ahead and saying, well, last last game, last series of the regular season, we got to play someone with a higher RPI. This is just like kind of a scheduling quirk because the thing I like, someone needs to be available to play that weekend. Yeah, I mean, but it, some of these conferences are having their tournaments next week. Mm-hmm. So, so this might be why is Western Carolina available next week? 
coming. I don't know. I don't even know what conference. I can tell you they they maybe their tournament starts at the beginning of like next week. I I couldn't tell well, you. They're coming just all kinda, the way over here. The only thing you can hope for is their plane can't get off the tarmac in Carolina, and, and, they, they, and they don't come and play. Yeah, and again, the reason why we say this is because their their RPI is so bad compared to Oregon State and what the Beavers are trying to do that three wins over Western Carolina and the Beavers' RPI will go down. Yep, no matter what. No matter what, it will go down. Win. If you win. And you got to do it. Now, is there anything that you know of that they can do to lessen it? Win by a whole lot of runs will make nope. it a less nope. fall? I don't know what the nope. formula is for RPIs. Best case scenario is to win every game from here on out through the Pac-12 tournament because then you'll get another win against Stanford. The way it sets up right now, you would get another win, uh, another win against Oregon, uh, and you could play them again in the semi in the in the finals. Maybe you'd mm-hmm. beat you could beat Stanford again, uh, and those would be two quality wins right there. And then you'd get uh, they're no longer good wins against UCLA, really, because UCLA is outside of the top fifty in RPI, but better than facing Western Carolina at this point. There's really there's not much you can do. I would say probably since the Beavers lost the Friday game against Utah, that pretty much sealed the fate of hosting, I would say. Pretty much. Okay, I got something here to read to you here in the last minute of the Okay, of the hour. I'll listen. I got, I'm got. i a good listener. We'll bring it up uh, when Mike comes on, too. And I just need to do something here. There we go. All right, check this out. I got this from a, a listener. Rasmussen joined an exclusive club in baseball history with, with another great start against the New York Yankees. Joining a club that includes only he and, and Koufax. Is this from today or from a different series? It's a text. When was Tonight it? marks the fourth time this year Drew Rasmussen of At Rays Baseball has thrown five-plus shutout innings while allowing two or fewer hits. He's the second MLB pitcher in the modern era to do that four times within his first eight starts of a season. The other was Sandy Koufax in 1963. I'd say that's pretty good... Uh, company he's keeping i'll look at that while we have our top of the hour break yeah that's interesting so thanks to the uh texter for that and and uh, andy i saw your text as well we'll get mike some information uh that'll do it our thanks to don shockley for joining us here in this first hour mike parker coming up next here on the clue uh, the, uh, clue morning update the joe beaver show and we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Why is Woodstock's Pizza all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people? Because no matter who you are or where you're from, you can create the perfect pizza at Woodstock's. So you can choose from over 35 fresh toppings, four made fresh daily crust options, several cheese options, including vegan and dairy-free, and six sauce options, including vegan and dairy-free, all to go along with your choice of dine-in, takeout, or delivery to most of Corvallis. So, Woodstock's Pizza is all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people. Woodstock's Pizza, Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Spring is here and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, and Passport SUVs and Ridgeline trucks and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this spring. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. Mother's Day is this Sunday. 
And a gift from the Inkwell Home Store will not disappoint. See all the new items for spring and summer, including espresso machines, blenders, bath and body products, and blankets. Also, canthus stitched scarves and jewelry are newly marked down at 20 to 40% off. And they'll be doing coffee demos all weekend long. Not sure what to do? An Inkwell gift card is always a great idea. There's free gift wrapping, too. The Inkwell Home Store on 3rd Street, downtown Corvallis. Kitchenware, furniture, gifts. Oh, my. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help out with avoiding the dangers on dog legs. Hitting fairways is crucial, and your number one priority on dog leg holes should be hitting the fairway. This is especially true if the dog leg doesn't set up well for your swing, like if you're a fader and you're playing a dog leg left. When playing a hole that curves away from your usual shot pattern, try hitting a fairway wood off the tee, aiming away from any trouble guarding the corner of the dog leg. This is a lot safer than trying to hit driver that might put you in a bad position off the tee. By hitting a more lofted club like your three wood, you'll have a longer approach shot into the green, but it's much better than having to hit from out of the rough or from the sand. So remember, avoid the danger on dog legs by playing smart off the tee, and you won't be in the doghouse with your scores. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Easy, boy, easy. For adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now there's SkyRizzy, Rizinkizumab Rizzo, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months, and SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand, nothing on my skin, that's my new Don't use if allergic to Skyrizi. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clear skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRizzy to learn more. 1240 Joe Radio welcomes you back for another edition of the Joe Beaver Show, where, as always, we accommodate all manner of inquiry. I'd like to ask you one question. Go ahead. You think that girls think less of a boy if he lets himself be kissed? With your host, Doc Parker. You better do your research, Parker. Doc Parker, reinventing the art of play-by-play. The boys are back in the field. They're lined up, and there they go. Ending in a place inning. No runs, no errors, but plenty of hits. And John Warren. Bravest, kindest, warmest, most wonderful human being I've ever known in my life. Friend of mine. Anybody can help me. He can! Mike and John deliver a daily message to the BCF. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. And they keep a close eye on the happenings in Westwood. They accuse me of chicanery. I'm a stranger in these parts and unacquainted with the rules. Where can I put your support? But above all... This is always a game. Games? Must we? Tune in on the radio if you want to see how the game's going along. <laughs> Mike Riley is tuned in. John? I heard you on the radio. Do you like the show, Coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Doc. We better be going. Okay. Come on, you palooka. Stop stalling. It's the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. 
Fascinating. Fascinating. Just talking with young TJ here about baseball statistics. And I asked the question, what's the one statistic that tells you the most about pitchers? I, Traditionally, ERA. ERA. I, but now I do have all these analytics. Right. On. But I like, I think there's like a bunch of layers to it as well, because the, I, don't, I don't know if there's like one I, batters. I think there's one stat that's a little bit easier to, to quantify how good a, 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 a batter is at hitting pitching. It's, it's a little bit different. Cause like if you're doing ERA, it's like, yeah. well, okay. So how well do they prevent runs? But preventing so runs anyway, isn't, isn't, isn't the, it is the main goal, but not the end all be all of every pitcher. So what got it started as we bring in Mike Parker to the Joe Beaver show, of course, Mike on the road in Los Angeles, I was looking doc at today's matchups for the Mariners and it's Matty Boyd against Marco Gonzalez. Two and two for Boyd, 5.28 ERA, 28 strikeouts, 11 walks, okay. And his whip, 1.34. And that just took us down a rabbit hole during the five-minute break right there, Mike, to the question I eventually asked. And it comes up with this ERA plus that TJ says you can say, you can compare Pedro Martinez versus Sandy Koufax to see because it considers all the eras. And then I'm thinking, okay, that's interesting but it's, it's a little bit too much for me. Anyway, welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. That's, that's just why we were talking about that. Well, it, it is too much, and it's always been too much for me, too. And, and so I don't go down those rabbit holes very often. But when I do, and young TJ, more predisposed to do so, better equipped to do so, uh, more, it's more congenial with the way he's followed baseball and compared to the way you and I and, and so many others mm-hmm. got into it when – you know, one loss of record, uh, ERA, strikeouts, innings pitched, walks yeah. in innings pitched, yeah. batting average against. These are kind of traditional numbers and ways of sort of introducing a pitcher in a ball game and evaluating them. But I'm sure there are more accurate means of evaluating. For example, who's starting for the Mariners today, TJ? If Matt Boyd's whip is 1.34, how does that compare with the average of a starter in the major leagues. Is that in the middle? Is it bad? Is it good? Mediocre? Yeah, 1.34. Who's starting for the Mariners and what, what's his whip? I can tell you that. It's Marco Gonzalez 1.47. Yeah. Let's see the, the, the answer to Mike's question about average. I think it's the, the slightly below average category. I'd say 1 to 1.1 is about average. 1 to 1.1 is about right. average. So Matt is below average. Yes. I mean, in terms of what you want, He's a little below average. Marco more Marco's has worse numbers yes. than Matt Boyd so far. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, and, what about Drew Rasmussen's start last night? Yeah. In terms of, you know, I, I don't see Sports Center very often in my life at home. It just doesn't come up. I, you know, we've got four people in the house watching different things. We only have one television. I do not repair and go away. I'm going away, leaving you all to go into my man cave and watch what I want to watch. <laughs> We're going to talk about what I want to talk about. No, that doesn't happen in my house. I defer. <laughs> I defer and then I end up kind of watching what everyone else is. But at home, that doesn't happen. Today, this morning, getting up, getting into my day, preparing for the series, I watch Sports Center. And one of the highlights in the baseball section, in fact, I think they led with Drew Rasmussen yeah. and his continued domination of the Yankees. He's got like 
28 consecutive scoreless innings, TJ or something, against the Yankees, and he pitched a great ball game, and he gets Tampa Bay, the first team in Major League Baseball, to 30 wins. I was really proud of him. So I don't know what, where, I'd love to know kind of what, if you could just quickly, Rasmussen whip. I'd be interested to know what Drew's whip is. I know he's okay. had a couple of starts that have been less than stellar after his brilliant start. Yeah. But where is he with whip? Can you find that? He started at 3-0. TJ's looking that up while I answer okay. part of your question because it came up. Uh, CVB texted us this, and it's a, it's a little screenshot from something on SI.com, and it reads like this, Doc. Rasmussen joined an exclusive club in baseball history with another great start against the Yankees, joining a club that includes only he, it says him, but that's improper, only he and Koufax. Tonight marks the fourth time this year Drew Rasmussen of At Rays Baseball has thrown five-plus shutout innings while allowing two or fewer hits. He went seven innings last night with two hits. He's the second Major League Baseball pitcher in the modern era to do that four times within his first eight starts of a season, and the other was Koufax in 1963. So four out of eight starts, he's gone five-plus innings, giving up only two hits. He yeah, Koufax. With Koufax, with due respect to, uh, to Sandy, who for five years is still, and I'd like to know when TJ says, well, Pedro versus Koufax, for five years, Koufax, according to many, and whether it holds up under the uh, further analysis of the modern-day stats and numbers and way to crunch things and evaluate people. But for years, for many years, it was Sandy Koufax for five years pitched the game, pitched better than anybody had in any other five-year run. It was the best five years of pitching in baseball history by all the numbers. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I'll say this. 1963, that sample size for Sandy was two games uh, Drew is up to how many games now? Now, Sandy threw complete games in both of those and won both of those World Series games in 63 and struck out 15 to set a World Series record in game one at Yankee Stadium. Did give up a two-run two home run to Tom Fresh in that game. But Roseboro hit a three-run home run left on left against Whitey Ford in that game to give the Dodgers an early lead. And Koufax sets the strikeout record with 15 and then was on the mound when they clinched uh, the World Series championship. Uh, they won game three a little bit later. So what I'm wondering is what Koufax's uh, whip, you know, might have been for that kind of stretch in his career. What is Rasmussen's right now, by the way, TJ? So he's a little bit over one. So he's at 1.05. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to recant my answer of what averages. I'm going to bump it up a 10th of a point and say 1.1 to 1.2 is about average because it, the top 10 are hovering right uh, right under one uh, for the season. So right Drew, under one. Yeah, under so, one. So Drew is, is in a good place. He is. 1.0. Yes, he's doing good. 1.052. Okay. I can get Sandy Koufax's for you here in a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, with Koufax, <laughs> it's, he was 36 and 40 at the beginning of his career until uh, Norm Sherry memorably said in a bullpen session, Sandy, take a little bit off. You're trying to throw everything through the through the proverbial barn wall. You're trying to everything's hard, hard. You're just trying. You're you know, on every pitch. You're throwing as hard as you possibly can. You know, back off a little. Just take a little bit off. And it was like a mad Koufax. He said, oh, "Okay, I'll try that." And the rest is history. And for the rest of Koufax's life, he said it was a day in a bullpen session on the side 
when Sherry said, Sandy, ease up a little, take a little off, that his career took off. Career for Sandy, 1.106. Not bad. Okay, see, now that's 1.106, but what about the five years, the amazing five years, 62 through 66? I don't have... That, fi- that would be... You can't break it down that, uh, that uh, minutely. I don't have the five-year stretch, but I do have the single-season marks of where they rank him. They Baseball Reference ranks his by the stat I used of of error-adjusted ERA and run prevention. They have him uh, at his 1966 season as his best uh, overall. 27 and 9, the ERA, I think, was 1.73. He struck out 317 if memory serves, that comes from just reading Kofax baseball cards and numbers. I think it was 27 and nine, 1.73 and 317. The year before, when he struck out 382, I think he went 26 and eight and struck mm-hmm. out the 382 for a record, but his ERA was 2.04, way, way up there. Yeah, they, 2.04. They had that one next. Um, but they're honestly like in terms of single season, there's just a lot of guys on here, doc. So they, and Mike, they, yeah. okay. he's the, sandwiched uh, tied for 150th, a single season all time. And, and the one thing, Kofax. Michael, yeah, there's again, there's a lot of guys on this list and this also includes guys pitching in the 1800s. So oh, I wouldn't, okay. I, I, I wouldn't Cy get too Young, worked up. Iron, you know, uh, Iron Man, Joe McGinnity, Christy Mathewson, Eddie Plank. Yeah, like that who are really Robert, hard to evaluate. Robert Keyes leads all time on this list. I've never heard of him before. He pitched um, one season. When, when was this? Robert Keyes? Yeah, I don't. Who, Ed Woolbach? I don't. Yeah, this is a really, this is a really odd. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to recant like my. Um, Crispy Crisperson. What about the, him? The se- <laughs> for the second, um, for the second, I need to put some qualifiers on here. So one we're going to, we're going to throw out my, uh, my thing. Here. Michael, one thing that TJ told me earlier that, that I don't want to hear as an old guy uh-huh. who likes tradition and likes history, I don't want to hear it. And he says that this stupid ERA plus whatever shows that Pedro was better than Sandy. Well, it's possible. Yeah, I get that. I, I've heard that argument before, and that Pedro was, I mean, we, we, just because I loved Koufax and that he was of a different era and time when I was falling in love with the game, I saw him pitch in person a couple of times, including his last game. That doesn't necessarily mean that Martinez, his numbers, whether he was a better pitcher you know, than Koufax, that's different. The, to me, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Number numbers and what you do in the big games, uh, what your presence means, who you are, the big games that you pitch in. That I know all of that's quantifiable too. Everything can be reduced to numbers and stats. I get that. Yeah. But TJ, do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? It's possible that I could make. Is it? I, I think it is. I can make the argument that. Pedro Martinez's numbers are better than Kofax, but I'd rather have Kofax, and Kofax and, was the greater overall pitcher. And that's that totally possible? and that's totally okay. And you also have the advantage yeah. that Kofax was a lefty as well, right? Yes, a, a, yes. a bit of a rarer occurrence than than Pedro Martinez. Uh, both things can absolutely be true. Okay, gotcha, Michael. Gotcha. So let's transition to the Beavers. I have a question for you because I've been um, opining on this just a little bit here and there, dropping little nuggets. Uh, of an opinion that, yes, this is the final time that Oregon State will go to Jackie Robinson Stadium as uh, teams that are competing against one another in the Pac-12 Conference. I get that. I think 
just based on the amount of flying that USC and UCLA are going to have to do, they're going to want to have home and homes with Oregon State and perhaps Oregon to pad their their non-conference schedule and make it a little bit easier. Don't you think that there might be some deal where you'll see Jackie Robinson again after this weekend? It's possible. I thought about that too, John. But it's a little bit like the the Bob DeCarolis uh, argument that Bob always used to share with us about all the teams available to schools in the Midwest and in the East, and why would they come out here? For, you know, for yeah. a lot of reasons, yeah. but one of which the proximity. And so, when you see USC and UCLA want to get some non-conference series going, it makes more sense for them to play Cal State Northridge or yeah. Cal State Fullerton more regularly than it would be to travel up here or send us down there financial reasons, yeah. difficulty of schedule reasons. Um, they've got uh, Long Beach State and, and and UC Irvine. They have teams right mm-hmm. in their 30-mile radius that I think will answer that more uh, more easily for them than playing the Beavers or Oregon or, or Washington or whatever. Right? Yeah, you know, you, the, when, the way you word that. And I, even while I was opining, I'm like, yeah, they can play these other teams. I, I guess... You're bringing it home for me to more of a realistic thing because even if they wanted to stretch that, they could go San Diego or San Diego State. Yeah, that's and right. There may be never really a reason for them to visit right. or for us to go down there. The re- and, it's possible that uh, to me, the only likely scenario is playing there again would be NA regional. Yeah, perhaps that's right. Know, yeah, and where the Beavers would travel, and clearly you hope to be in a situation where they're traveling to you, or you know, they, they've got it situated a little bit differently but that's possible that you could end up in different con- you know playing in a as a member of a different conference ucla could come up to our place and we could go to theirs or usc or whatever that's possible so it may not be the last time ever into jackie it's i, I do know that it's my first time in six years wow uh, 2017 the last time that this this hit home as i was thinking about that you know we had kevin abel on recently mm-hmm. on the joe beaver show and remember how i said kevin i first met you and your parents at jackie robinson stadium when you were still pitching in high school at hoover and getting you'd already made a commitment to the beavers but that I'm going. I haven't been back to the ballpark since Kevin Abel's whole career. Wow. Haven't even started at Oregon State yet, and it's all played out. And I met Kevin and his folks came to see that transcendent 2017 team at Jackie Robinson, and uh, you know we <laughs> we said hello. I said I look forward to seeing you next year, boy. I didn't. What an understatement that turned out to be. But. Uh, I haven't been back since, and I don't expect to be back for a long, long time. I'm looking forward to it. Here's my biggest concern. UCLA is an injured team, so you'll understand where I'm going. With mm-hmm. it. My biggest concern is UCLA, they may they may have played themselves even off the bubble. I mean, I don't know what kind of shot they have left to make the tournament. It's a long one. Yeah. I mean, they've been injury-riddled. Cody Schreier's out. Their shortstop, Kyle Carroll's, has missed a lot of time. One of their best pitchers, a closer, Luke Jewett, may not be back. They've lost Alonzo Treadwell for this season, Schreier for the season. Charles Harrison, a right-handed pitcher, may be back, but in a limited role. Galen Reyes just returned from injury. Kyle Carroll's just got back from some injury. So their season is a tale of uh, much like Oregon State and Laura Bird softball season. A lot of injuries mm-hmm. that have kind of waylaid high expectations for this group. Uh, UCLA was picked second behind Stanford to win the league, the Beavers third. And UCLA 
you know, got off to a 16-4 and four start and 6-1 and one in conference play. And look at them now. They're struggling. You know, they, uh, they've got 9-15-1 since the 16-4 and four start. They've lost five of their last six Pac-12 series, whereas the Beavers have won six of their last seven. So I like where the Beavers are going into the matchup. I feel like they're in a good place to come down here and win. If not, maybe go one better and come away out of here with a sweep, which would be tremendous and certainly enhance their case for hosting. So, I, I, But I still, you know, UCLA is still at home, and they're in a desperate mode, and they, they're good. John Savage is an outstanding coach. They pitch well, and they, so they're always a, a danger to beat him. My biggest concern is, will I have an Ethernet port? Will I need to try to set up <laughs> Comrex access? With uh, through a phone mode, will I be calling games on my cell phone? I've had more misadventures at Jackie Robinson Stadium trying to call games than in any other single venue in 25 years in any sport uh, with the Beavers. Do they so still? What what, should, what what do you think I should look for, Johnny? Do, oh they, my do they still have a payphone there? No, it's gone. They oh. do not. No, oh. the payphone's gone. Don't. That's not an option. <laughs> I, I looked for it when I was there, and it was gone. And I yeah, thought of you. Uh, I I just. Get there as early as you can because uh, yeah, I know the the calamities continued when I was filling in for you. And I know it was it was four a nightmare. Yeah, it was a, was that four years ago already? Four years ago, yeah. You were going to come back in twenty one, and you told me you were ahead of it for two years ago. Then COVID prevented yeah. any of us from traveling. So the last time the Beavers played here, UCLA, by the way, has won the last two series, twenty one and twenty two, huh. and. Anyway, I'll tell you, you what, though, you said you'd kind of tried to get ahead of it and planned it out about the Ethernet port and almost demanding yeah. that UCLA finally put one in. And if there isn't one there today, it means they've gone through the whole uh, Pac-12 era of unification in '99 with the worst broadcast setup. Yes, in the entire yes. conference, and, and refusing what the what the yeah. mandate is. That's what amazes me. They did not do what they're supposed to no. do. I do I know. know that these games are on the Pac-12 network, but here's a little bit of a confusion. The uh, the release from our end says Pac-12 Los Angeles. The release from UCLA says Pac-12 Networks, which would mean anyone yeah. can watch. I said this morning, because I thought it was Pac-12 Los Angeles, I said, well, you're going to need that uncle or that TJ friend who can, quote-unquote, <laughs> get things, you know what I mean, to be able to view yeah. it. And then, of course, I said, we want our own Mike Parker, blah, 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 building up the radio yeah. part of it all. But, um, you know, there's always that guy, TJ, who can get things and find a way to watch them. But UCLA says it's on the Pac-12 network. All of that to say, the booth will be taken. You'll be outside, which is a great spot. I love that spot right next to the UCLA fans. It's not bad at all. They put a no, tent over you and, you know, the whole nine yards. The problem is, is there an Ethernet that you can string right. from there to there? And I don't know. There wasn't four years ago. Now, I remember the one year, too, and it, it, it pains me at the moment now. One year. It pains me because the young man's name has slipped my mind for a moment, and that's bad. You know, too, we've had a lot of players come through the program, and, all, you know, and I've done all three sports for 20, about 25 now. So occasionally, even though I've done games, the name of a, of a pitcher or player will elude me for a while. And at this moment, it's eluding me. This right-handed pitcher, his parents were here, and his parents drove me to, like, a, a Best Buy or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, remember that? That was I about do. maybe seven, eight years ago. And they drove me to get a piece of equipment that helped me 
deliver a little bit better broadcast on the Saturday like, after the yeah. miseries of a Friday experience. Like Jake Thompson's parents, maybe, or or uh, uh, I'm going to have to look it up, Doc. Yeah, I do remember that though. Yeah, but but that the parents came to my rescue, and and I'm hoping that you know we're not I'm not going to have to hit uh, Aaron Lattery's folks or Ben Marrero's folks for a trip tomorrow <laughs> somewhere in the South. Okay, well I I will say this. I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. They have a beautiful stadium. They're really nice yeah. fans. Um, they do come out. They came out. The place was filled, and and the, half the stadium was Beaver fan. And uh, well, yeah, you know, you they do come out. I hear what you're saying. That was nice, Johnny. You were dealing with a, a good series. The largest crowd they played before this year, though, in their ballpark, one thousand eight hundred forty-five. Uh, their last Pac-12 home game, they had 1,420. And I'm telling you, those are big crowds for that. And I think you were in that range for that whole series in 19. They had some good yeah. promotions going on. But generally, they're under, they've are under. they only had three crowds over 1,000 all year. Well, that's not very good. But you'll have nice no. weather. And, and uh, it yeah. is Los Angeles, after all. It is. And although I'm a little chilly right now, I'm sitting here talking to you outside in the Playa District kind of a uh, patio type place. It's very nice. There's a few folks having their lunch sitting near me who work in the buildings around me, not far from our team hotel. But it's a little chilly. You got the breeze well, rolling. It's about 63 degrees. What are ooh. you dealing with at all? Well, I don't know what it is right now, but it's going to be 83 today. 83, and then is tomorrow the day? You 92. Can all you want, sophomores, but tomorrow's the day. Into the 90s? Yeah. yeah 90, tomorrow 92 tomorrow and Sunday. Okay. Okay, so, well, well, we'll try to get through the chill down here in the Southland the next couple of days. Okay, Mike, I'm going to send you off. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make a pitch to both you and John here because, John especially, questionnaire. Yeah. I have a stat yeah. for you. You want a stat? Yeah. You guys like stats? Yes, yeah. please. I'm going to use a stat that you guys like. You said you like ERA. So here's yeah. my pitch for Pedro. Ready? Okay. I was looking this up while you yeah. guys were talking. In 2000, Pedro Martinez led the league with an ERA of 1.74. Would you like to guess what the next highest American League ERA was? I'll take a guess and say something like 3.07. Uh, you're close. Move a decimal around. 3.70? 3. 3.70? Yes. Now, that's incredible. Just that's some context. utter dominance, isn't Yes, it, it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just, just, some, just some context Can't for you argue to with that. send you off and, and think about as we go on yeah, here on a Friday. Can't that's, argue with no, that. I appreciate that. Pedro's the greatest ever. I <laughs> did like Pedro a lot, but you talked to Jim Wilson someday about the toughest pitcher he ever faced. It was not Pedro. It was Pedro's brother, Ramon, Ramon Martinez. Jim Wilson said had the filthiest, nastiest stuff he ever saw. Wow. So Ramon, Ramon a greater than Pedro. Last thing, <laughs> Doc, just for fun, we like to play silly games. And for you and me and TJ and all of our listening audience, I was going to make it a little difficult and say, okay, see if you can work in the word Pendleton to tonight's broadcast. I'll make it easier on you and, and see if you can work in that little tidbit about Drew Rasmussen's numbers through uh, five-plus innings oh, and well, just that, two that hits. was going to be part of it anyway because of his dominant, you know, I mean, big beavers in the bigs. I was probably yeah. going to mention Drew. So Pendleton, uh, <laughs> I can probably work Pendleton in through a reference to heaven can wait for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then say, And then say, he's looking awful good. Yeah, no, I may. I may. If I do that, that's just for you, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be listening. All right, thanks, okay. Doc. Thanks, guys. All right, talk to you later. <laughs> you like that movie. Heaven Can Wait. 
1978 um, with... Uh, but outside of the 80s range we talked about yesterday. Yeah, well, we need to get uh, movies for TJ. Gung-Ho, Mr. Mom, Stripes. We got a few suggestions on the text line yesterday. Yeah. Too. Volunteers. I never saw Volunteers. How many of these are available on a streaming service? Oh, all of them. All of them? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all of them, no problem. All right. Um, I'll have to go look. They're, they're, they were classics. Oh, 16 Candles. Hmm. Okay. That's... That's that was pretty funny. They're all kind of in that that same genre form of comedy that uh, like goofy comedy. Cat, Caddyshack was okay. Then I'd probably like them. Yeah, yeah, I think you would. All right, TJ, let's take our first break this hour, and we've got a half hour left for phone calls and texts. We have a few texts we can get to, and baseball. What are they doing around former Beavers and the Pros? I know Mike goes over that current Beavers and the Pros, and. Uh, and again, Lee Howard always sends us the once-monthly rundown, but TJ did a look on his own, too. So we'll get caught up on that. When we return, the phone number is 541-497-5356. Brought to you by Downward Dog. Same thing for the text line, which is brought to you by uh, University Honda. 541-497-5356. Back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. We set them up. You knock them down. If you're looking to work in a fun environment and learn a variety of skills, Highland Bowl in Corvallis is looking for you. Highland Bowl offers competitive wages, part and full-time, and management positions are available. Apply online at highlandbowl.com. We set them up, you knock them down. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated. And they want to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements, plants, and baskets, and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time to the mothers in your life. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at stargazerspremierflorist.com. Stargazer's Premier Florist, located at 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. They thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and look forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Browse through their large showroom with a beautiful selection of carpet, countertops, sheet vinyl, linoleum, tile, hard surface floors, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beeves. He shifts Bucky Irving one to zero. They just did get the snap. Hi, this is James Orr, defensive lineman of the Pac 12's number one defense, the Oregon State Beavers. Ongoing visits to rejuvenation for cryotherapy treatments has provided me with long lasting muscle and joint recovery. Sharpens my mental focus and elevate the endurance needed for me to perform at the highest level on game days. Go to rejuvenationcorvallis.com to book your appointments today so you are always at your best. Go Beavs. He's going for it, and the Beavers get home and sack him back at the 44. James Rawls. Equipped from front to rear with industry-leading, easy-to-use features, Kubota B-Series tractors are the total package. With high horsepower and excellent durability and implements that easily attach and detach, Kubota B-Series tractors can do anything in any season. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information.
Hi, everybody. This is Mike Parker. We recently had the need to replace some major appliances, and I'm delighted to report that we called Brandon and his team at Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. We couldn't be happier with our experience. They answered all of our questions, put us in the best deal, and promptly delivered and installed a new washer and dryer. When you are in need of an appliance, I strongly encourage you to call Kellenberger Appliance. Visit kellenbergers.com or stop by Kellenberger Appliance at 21 North Main Street in Lebanon. A big thank you from the Parkers to Kellenberger Appliance. Has your mom played a special role in your life? Mother's Day is Sunday, May 14th. She deserves to feel cherished and loved with a gift from Donna Bella Fine Lingerie in Corvallis. They're celebrating Mother's Day with 20% off on their entire selection of snuggly robes and luxurious wraps. Also, she'll look pretty and feel fabulous in a super soft and silky nightie or something lacy. The staff at Donna Bella Fine Lingerie will help you pick out that special gift and they'll wrap it for free. Donna Bella Fine Lingerie on the north end of 2nd Street in downtown Corvallis. Wedding time means framing time. All those special pictures. Steve at the Frame Shop can even help you put together a collage. And while Al is stepping back, he'll still be on site. And Steve, with his 44 years of experience, will be gradually taken over. You won't even notice the difference. Other than Steve might be at the counter more often. They'll still help you find that perfect mat and frame to complement your pictures and decor. And you'll still find a great selection of ready-made frames, prints, and art supplies. The Frame House on West First in historic downtown Albany. One-on-one, Robbie Benson. You can, I'm going to need to write all these down. Yeah, this, that's a good movie. Um, it's not a comedy or anything, but from that time period, a uh, very good movie. Robbie Benson, one-on-one, and good soundtrack in that movie. Some really good shots in there. There was a scene in that movie where there, if, if you watch it, just kind of remember this. There's the coach is trying to run him off because he's disappointed in this, this kid after having recruited him. And there's a scene where he's trying to run him off and get him to renounce his scholarship, but he won't do it. So he has a workout just for Mr. Steel. And so the teammate and the team are to gather around and there's this big beefy mean guy with a gap tooth. He smiles and he's got that ugly gap tooth and he's like a big muscle guy. So he's, playing one-on-one with him, and he gives him elbows, knocks him out, bloodies his face. The team is getting mad that the coach is doing this, but they, you know, don't, uh, leave him alone. This is for Mr. Steele. So Mike, apparently that guy was a football player at Colorado, and one year Mike was doing stats for the Colorado Voice in Eugene. This was many years ago, and that guy was an analyst for the radio crew, having already played at Colorado. Because uh, the movie was in the 70s, so this must have been early 80s. And, you know, he got to talking to the guy. He, he was in the movie, and he was the bad guy in the movie. He didn't have any lines, just just that one scene. But, yeah, that's a great movie from the 70s. I think, I think you'd like I watched it with my son, who he was probably your age when he saw it, and he wasn't just being nice. He really liked it. He's like, yeah, that was, that was really cool. It, it has held over time. Anyway, uh, what did Keith or uh, uh, Kip say? Slapshot? Sid Slapshot. Um, that's actually one uh, early early mm-hmm. movie I never saw. Then uh, Glennie said Airplane and Airplane 2. Yes, and, and listeners, would you not agree you have to have a certain sense of humor to enjoy the Airplane movies or the Naked Gun movies. You have to have a childlike, stupid, like you think stupid things are funny, and I do, and so it's pretty funny. <laughs> Another text, uh, did you know Heaven Can't Wait was a remake of a black and white era movie? Athlete was a boxer instead of 
football and the sax was a musical instrument he misplayed. Um, uh, this is probably up your alley a little bit more. Uh, I didn't know that. And what's the title? Because I want to watch that. I want to see it. Saw it late one night in college. Noticed a name included in the credits. Uh, Jamil uh, Farah, probably because uh, probably barely passed his teens. Later known as Jamie Farr, became famous uh, famous in uh, Clinger and Mash TV series. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. Interesting. All right. I'll, I'm going to personally look that up because and I haven't seen it. Dave says Digstown. Digstown, I don't know what that is. Okay. It's yeah. a movie. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Hey, great suggestions for TJ who's willing. When you've got someone willing, willing to learn, and they're not shy. I was shocked when you said you love Caddyshack. Probably my favorite movie of all time. Honestly, because kids your age, they don't even know it exists. It, and I, could, I mean, I could probably show it to someone a hundred years down the line, and they probably still think it's funny. Yeah, well, that's I. I just think that's so great. I'm so happy that you love Caddyshack mm-hmm. because it's so hard to get kids your age to like that old stuff. And I, I say that because I'm talking about my own kids, but. Uh, uh, it it really is like it's a timeless masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. Like, timeless. Absolutely. Stripes was one that that never disappoints, and uh, very very funny stuff. Heck, I even like Meatballs. Meatballs was I think it was Bill Murray's very first movie, and it's not a sports movie about a geeky kid who goes to to summer camp in the woods, and how Bill Murray as the funny guy counselor helps him through stuff and and the gags that they pull i mean stupid movie in so many aspects but i I thought it was hilarious and uh that was one of his first very first movies way back when so there's some good stuff out there uh kareem in airplane kareem abdul jabbar is one of the pilots in airplane little kid comes in the how does he fit in the pilot seat? i I don't know it's it's a movie that there's it makes no sense on any stretch it's it's lampooning virtually everything we know Okay. About fl- uh, flights and and what it, it it came on the heels of of airplane disaster movies. Airport was one in the seventies. There was a disaster. It was very popular, and it was one of the first disaster movies from an airplane that that everybody was watching. So they made this this spoof of it with these actors and the writing. You gotta have. You gotta think. I've seen. I've watched reactions to this movie. One reaction and the couple that was reacting to it. Half the jokes went over their heads. They just didn't get it. But it's uh, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But you have to have a certain kind of sense of humor for that. Um, I don't know the name of this person, but they write in and say, excited about this weekend series at UCLA. Absolutely. I've been out of town or out of it for uh, over a week. Do we know the status of Jaron Hunter? Well, that question came up earlier this week that we did answer. And uh, I asked Mike, to, Mike about it before he left. And all he could say was, um, don't know about Jaron. He, he pitched like 13 pitches a few weeks back and then had to be pulled. He will be re- available. He's expected to be available for the tournament, but we don't know if he will be available before then. Right. So the question is, if he would be available this weekend, maybe he could get into a tune-up against Western Carolina. Yeah. Um, but then definitely tournament time. Yeah. So yeah. that's to answer that question. Again, Aaron Lattery has been pretty good in that Sunday spot in his spot. Yeah. Okay. Slapshot. Uh, that other movie, Dickstown. Kareem. Okay. I'm just getting rid of all these uh, these deals. Um, new media deal. No, nothing. Yeah. We ben, ben checking. Ben checking. Won't know until they finalize it. 
Probably it's just not. rumors. And, and like, who, who was it that was saying they saw, oh, it was Dave on some of the boards. People say, well, I heard, well, I heard. You Me- know what? I, I would be. Message boards are worse than Twitter. I would be like, very it's... surprised if, if Wilner or Canzano don't break whatever it is that's going to happen. Well, when it's done, we'll know. Yeah. If there's something significant, we'll know. Now, I did see something from one of the two. I think it was Wilner that the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors through their own, uh, he didn't say this, but uh, for lack of a better term, buffoonery, cost the league m- millions of dollars with, with moves that Scott got blamed for, but it was basically them. Because they, I think everything Larry Scott did, you could place on the, on the presidents of the universities because they're the ones who hired, they're right. the ones who kept him there. And he couldn't really do much. If he couldn't do anything that he doesn't pass through them. Right, exactly. It was a major decision. Right. And uh, they just dropped the ball big time right. on a lot of things. So, you know, that's kind of the deal there. We've got uh, about 15 minutes left, one more break to get in. In fact, let's get it in now. I'll answer the phone, and then we'll uh, close up the hour. But uh, the number, 497-5356, back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Summer, with all of its events and parties, is on the way. Call Forks and Corks today and make your reservation. Large or small, Forks and Corks Catering will make your event spectacular. From sit-down dinners to buffets or delicious bites, they'll work with you to choose a menu based on taste and budget. Forks and Corks will ensure an enjoyable experience for you and your guests. A spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. The Peacock Bar and Grill is making eating out affordable with a $6.50 specials from 11 till 9 every day of the week. On Monday, it's a small sirloin steak dinner. Tuesday, any pub-sized burger on the menu. Wednesday, it's beef stroganoff. Thursday, it's spaghetti and meatballs. Friday is a French dip. Saturday, pulled pork sliders. And Sunday, it's penne mac and cheese. You can always call ahead and get it to go or have it delivered. The Peacock Bar and Grill, a local favorite since 1929 on 2nd Street, downtown Corvallis. At Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Hi, I'm Katie Albin, and I want everyone to know that at Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Directional boring, to be exact. So if you need to run a pipe underground, under a driveway, or under a sidewalk, and you don't want to destroy your yard in the process, the boring people at Albin's Plumbing can help you with your directional boring. Just give us a call. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. Mother's Day is this Sunday. You can make her day extra special with a gift from Burst's Chocolates in Corvallis. For over 80 years, Burst has continued the old-fashioned and time-honored tradition of making all of their chocolates by hand in small batches from original Burst family recipes. A box of candy from Burst is always a sweet Mother's Day idea. They're between 3rd and 4th on Madison in downtown Corvallis and online at BurstChocolates.com. Burst Chocolates, sweetening the valley Futon Man isn't just about futons anymore. In addition to futons, futon frames and covers, Futon Man now also carries platform beds, bunk beds, and can even make custom mattresses for your RV. So if you're expecting out-of-town guests and you're not sure where they're going to sleep, you could head on a bedroom to the house, or an easier solution would be to stop by Futon Man. Two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99 or online at futon-man.com. 
Leading off this inning for your tax and wealth management team is David Mendenhall. Batting second, Bill Heck. And batting third, Robert Berry. It's always important to have a talented lineup. The same is true if you need some advice on personal or business tax planning or just some help with financial strategy. With over 40 years in business, Tax and Wealth Management has the experience you need to hit that home run. Call or stop by Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team, and start your journey on the road to success. Let me read this real quick. My apologies to the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. He's not only a legitimate MVP candidate who deserved my vote, but he's truly one of the all-time greats. Again, my apologies. Uh, made an honest mm-hmm. mistake with my MVP vote. So Mark Jackson How about that? didn't give him a vote. Yeah, and I saw MVP yesterday. Would that have made the difference between him beating out Joel? What? Yesterday's game? No, in uh, MVP votes. Uh, I can look up the voting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, because maybe, why are they making such a big deal out of it? Uh, I don't. I think Joel uh, NBA MVP. The the problem is there's just too much voter fatigue. Yeah. Even if someone deserves to win an MVP three straight years, it usually won't happen. That's true. Right? Yeah. Because like, they'll go well. Okay. But well, he got it the last two years. Let's you know. Let's give it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I'll open that. We'll right. hear from Dave. Let's go to the phones. Dave, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, welcome, guys. Just had a few things. Sure. Uh, so Digstown is a, uh, a boxing movie, um, a little bit of uh, con man type hustling stuff. Um, okay, Lou Gossett Jr. He's uh, he's in there. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it one of those movies. It kind of it, it's interesting to watch, and, and I don't want to spoil it for you. So yeah, you, no, I recognize the it. title. I just never I saw it. Yeah, I just I never saw it, but I recognize yeah, yeah. the title. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Um, so. A couple other things. Um, I, I did send something, a link to you. There was a Facebook article about a, a JC team out on the East Coast that got caught cheating. They had a couple of their uh, batting helmets that were uh, mic'd up. And uh, they they thought that, uh, I guess one of the guys got on base and the pitcher was thinking, like, man, these guys, are, I'm chipping my pitches or something. And, mm-hmm. and, and the first baseman heard sounds coming out of this guy's helmet oh and uh and and, and so they were actually uh pr- they think they were watching the, the camera in center field and somebody was watching a live feed of that and then and then uh relaying the the pitch information to wow. the batters wow you know as they as they went that's and, a high-tech uh, operation you know, made, for a juco you know, they, the two different two different offensive players had you know mics in their helmets and so it's not far-fetched to think about, you know, what happened down there at ASU, and I won't go that far. But we've seen this happen, right, with Houston Astros kind of did something similar. Yeah. Um, you can go anywhere you want on the ASU uh, debacle. <laughs> I just think it's funny. What's that? <laughs> you can go anywhere you want uh, with the ASU debacle. It was weird. Well, and, and I did with Mike, and he didn't, uh, you know, a few weeks ago right after it. But, uh <laughs> You know, there was definitely either, you know, are we tipping our pitches or, or is it a combination of something else or are they just really good at picking this stuff up? And with all this new technology, you never know what a, what a program can come up with. So, Well, that's true. I thought it was interesting. But my question, so we've spent a lot of time saying, oh, can the Beavers get a host or, or not? Um, and, and it's probably looking like they won't. Um, and I, I did pose kind of a question of, you know, two different things. Number one, you know, how many teams in front of them would have to have really bad the next two weeks 
three weeks of baseball for them to be able to jump up far enough. I don't even know if that's even possible um, for teams ahead of them to kind of have that, you know, a meltdown like that. And then the other question, and, and more maybe not even a question, but a statement is, as a number two seed, I I don't know there's many number one seeds that want to see the Beavers show up in their in their stadium to have to play. I mean, the way they're playing right now, they may be end up being a two seed, not hosting, but yeah, you know they're playing such good baseball right now. I would I would be nervous as heck to to have the the Beavers you know be their number. Well, number one, I'll tell you what, Dave. Seed, you know, showing up to. A, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. TJ was telling me earlier off the air that there was some model that had the Beavers in Boston with, you know, Boston College, who's pretty good, and then two other, you know, area teams. And I'm thinking <laughs> they would crush in that. You know, I mean, I don't know how good Boston College is, but mm-hmm. I like that prospect. And that would be that would be the case wherever they went, I suppose. I, they've never been that far that I know of. They yeah. go to Florida, and they've gone to Vanderbilt and LSU. I'd like to see them do something different this it, year. It was Boston College, Northeastern, and Harvard in the regional. Oh man, yeah, I like I like the odds of them coming out of that one with a win. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do too. See where that puts them at, at a super regional, though. And what what seed that would right. be? What seed Boston College would? Be I think they were fourteenth. They were that was the fourteen seed, so yeah. they would be they would be who at whoever at the assuming the three, the third third national seed. Yeah, it is the third national seed Ella, right now. Uh, when you got LSU and Wake Forest or Vanderbilt, and, Vanderbilt or Arkansas, Vanderbilt, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Arkansas. I think Arkansas was four or five uh, a couple weeks ago. So, um, and I thought that would be an interesting matchup because they, they speculated that I think last week or the week before that they could end up in Fayetteville. So, okay, well, good stuff. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Dave. All right. Have a great weekend, have, and uh, we're just a couple of minutes away from our weekend getting started. Here. I, I have voting for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not necessarily close. It was not a deciding vote. Uh, oh, okay. Joel got 73 first place votes. Nikola Jokic got 15, and Giannis got 12. Uh, Arkansas is the third seed. Yeah. So that's so, what it would be. There it would be. If, assuming they get out of their own regional. Yeah. So they the the voting was not necessarily close. So Mark Mark Jackson changed his mind. There would have to be a lot of changing of well, the and, minds. And name those name those other guys. Too. So it was Joel with seventy three first place votes. Jokic had fifteen. Yeah. And Giannis had twelve. Okay. So he didn't have anywhere close to enough first place votes. It like I I get the voter fatigue. Like Jokic could have deserved to win it three years in a row, but it, again, it usually just doesn't work out that way. Where the same guy will win it three years. Who's the last guy to win MVP three years in a row in the NBA? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. I, I couldn't tell you. I, I I don't know. If someone does know, please text us. 541-497-5356. It doesn't happen very often. Um, so, I mean, Jokic, regardless, has his back-to-back MVP. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, maybe he'll put a, put a, uh, put a ring on it this year. Which are you going to watch the Lakers and Warriors? Uh, Mariners play tonight. So, oh, no, they'll be on after. Maybe. Maybe. I'll do yard work with the Mariners on so I can hear Matty Boyd. I think I might even try listening to Detroit's broadcast of it. Because mm-hmm. I can do that thanks to you mm-hmm. and the T-Mobile information, which I never would have known had you not told me about it. Two years in a row now. I mm-hmm. love it. It's I great. Sit, it's I it's sit awesome. Down and I can watch any Major League Baseball game I want to. Yep. It's yep. great. It is awesome. It's really good. Should we get into these numbers? Let's R- do it. Rattle them off really quick. Matisse yep. them all. Show. 
Okay, we're going to go through these quick because there's a lot of them here and we have six minutes remaining. Uh, these stats are as of Wednesday afternoon, right? So if they played yesterday um, or Wednesday night, uh, these do not include Wednesday night or uh, yesterday's stats. Okay. So Kevin Abel uh, not has not been great so far this year. He really got killed his last outing. An inning where he allowed five earned runs, his ERA is up to 9.45 and low a Daytona in the Reds organization. Justin Boyd is still getting healthy this year. He's yet to play. Um, he was traded to the Cleveland Guardians back in February. He was dealing with a hamstring issue in spring training, so he's still yet to play this season. Uh, last year, he struggled in his first 74 at-bats mm. in professional baseball uh, in the Reds organization, now with Cleveland. Matty Boyd starts today. Did have his longest outing of the season last time out against the Cardinals. Six innings, five hits, three earned runs, six strikeouts, uh, and no walks. So he's sitting right now 2-2 two and two with a 5-2-8 ERA. He has been a below or replacement level pitcher this year. Nathan Burns in high A Tri-Cities in the Angels organization. He's been pretty good so far. Seven games, a 2-0-8 ERA in eight and two-thirds. Nine strikeouts. It's been a little while. He's walked six guys as well. Um, and it's a, But just to note that this is a big jump up from what he did last year where he had a 5-3-3 ERA and 30 appearances in 27 innings. So he's gotten off to a much better start this year at the same level. DJ Carpenter has also not pitched this year. He was in low A last year. Uh, he's only thrown four professional innings so far after being a 14th round pick last year. Christian Chamberlain in double A Northwest Arkansas in the Royals organization. Also a guy who's gotten off to a good start. 2-5-1 ERA in 14 and a third innings. 25 strikeouts and five walks. Should he be further along? Uh, it's hard to tell who should be further. I mean, that guy was lights out. Probably so. The Beavers several years probably, ago. Probably, yeah. As a college pitcher, a fourth round pick in twenty twenty, I would say yeah, probably. I At just, this point, if if like the true, I guess, cream of the crop would be in the bigs by now. Yeah. At that yeah, point, that's, that's why with I two full minor it, league I, seasons. I want all of them to but succeed. He is theoretically on the doorstep of the big leagues for especially for pitchers. The doorstep is Double A now. Yeah. They they'll skip Triple A because it's just such a hitters hitters environment. There's no point of putting a pitcher there. Uh, can Michael Conforto, as I teased earlier, he has been not great this year. He has uh, been below replacement level. He's been worth negative half a win above replacement. Uh, he's batting 168, 300 on base, 297 slugging. Uh, it signed a two-year, $36 million deal in the offseason with the Giants. Uh, Christian Donahue has not played this year. I don't know if he retired, uh, but he really struggled across AA and AAA last year in the Cubs organization. Brandon Isert has gotten off to a really slow start in AAA. Buffalo in the Blue Jays organization, an 816 ERA in 14 and a third. Will Fresh is still yet to pitch this year for Chicago. Sixth round pick last year by the Cubs. Missed all of last season as well for Oregon State. Kyle uh, Fromke. Yeah. From, yeah. Uh, and low A Rancho Cucamonga and Dodgers organization also is yet to play this year. Grant Gambrell, a 518 ERA in five starts in high A Greenville. In the Red Sox organization, uh, Caden Grenier retired. Yeah. Said that right? Grenier? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Caleb Hamilton has struggled in, in Wooster in the Red Sox organization, AAA, 15 games. He's hitting 177. Cooper Jerpy's had back to back pretty good starts in the Cardinals organization. He's turning it around five and two thirds, two earned on the 9th of May. Five and two thirds on the third of May. No, uh, no runs, seven strikeouts, uh, one walk. Stephen Kwan 
rebounding after a bit of a slow start this year. He's been uh, he's been a little bit better. He's uh, hitting 273 right now. It's been about a league average hitter. Trevor Larnick, uh, about the same as well. Dipped into a little bit more power. Three doubles, uh, three home runs. I know we're going to run out of time here. Well, we so, got it. Right. so uh, you know, Madrigal's 273, 314, 348. Uh, he's doubled three times. Been a bit below replacement level as a hitter so far. Some other standouts I mean Wade Meckler's hitting nearly 500 in high A Eugene. Uh, Jake Fenix has been a little wild to start his. Uh, his time in the A's uh, organization this year, he started three games, a 6-1-7 ERA. Uh, Jacob Melton off to a slow start, hitting 200 through his first 17 games. We mentioned how good Drew Rasmussen's been. Uh, his ERA has gone down even more since I updated this on Wednesday. Adley has been 33% above league average, been worth one win. But I mentioned his defense has been a little bit uh, subpar behind the plate, but he's countering that. He's the seventh, seventh highest walk rate in baseball. Been pretty good for Adley, yeah. But I would say still he's probably number two in the AL right now. But in I'll terms of catchers, see if he can string some some good games together. Yeah. So that's about it. That's okay. all I got. Our thanks to Don Shockley, Mike Parker. Game tonight at seven. Tomorrow night at six, and Sunday Mother's Day at noon for Beaver baseball down in Los Angeles. Golf men next Monday through Wednesday. We'll talk about that on Monday show. Two more weeks of shows. Here on the Joe Beaver Show before the summer break. I'm John Warren along with TJ Matthewson. Have a great weekend and stay cool if you can. KEJO Corvallis and translator K229DI Corvallis, the home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.